Hello, this is Tommy Barco, and welcome to the Essential Podcast. Today, we're revisiting essentialism. All right, all right. Well, thank you for joining us. We are talking about essentialism again today, mainly because we had an earlier podcast on essentialism. This will be kind of essentialism 2.0. And uh, to date, that is our most listened to episode and it's something that uh, I'm very passionate about. What's that, Matt? I said it really took off. Yeah. Um, We weren't disappointed because we love talking about it and uh, thought as a result of that and the feedback we received on the podcast that we would talk about it again, but uh, from a different angle. So uh, excited to do that today. Yeah, I think we reboot real quick, Tommy. And uh, anyone who missed the first one, mm-hmm. obviously you can go back and listen to it. It's the second episode on the podcast. Yep. But uh, really we can talk about what essentialism is, and then we can move on and compare it to some other things that are really hot right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. So I never want to talk about this without giving credit to where it originated. It started with a book that was written in 2014 by Greg McEwen called Essentialism. And what grabbed me about that book is the definition of essentialism, really. It's the subtitle on the book, which is The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. So that grabbed my attention. I dove in, and uh, if you read the book, you'll see quickly that there's an elaboration there. It's The Disciplined Pursuit of Less But Better. And again, it all revolves around the fact that 98% of the noise and activities that we engage in, the noise we hear, are truly non-essential. But they constantly distract us and grab our time and uh, we're big fans here not trading time for money because time is more valuable than money. So uh, essentialism is uh, really at the core of all of our communication, how we manage money, our process. And that's what we talked about a ton last time. So compare essentialism to something that's been really popular right now, which would be minimalism. So what are the differences between essentialism and minimalism? Those sometimes get mixed up. Yeah, great question. I think they're definitely a similar train of thought, perspective, posture even. But minimalism is about owning less, and essentialism is about doing less. But not just doing less so that you can say, I'm not busy, but it's choosing to go big on the things that really matter, the things that are essential, and not saying yes to or doing the things that that don't matter, that steal our time or our focus from what we should be doing. So basically apply your, as the book says, highest point of contribution by doing the select things that matter to not only you, but also those in your community. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, minimalism, you could probably get the tiny house and get rid of everything. You know, easier said than done, right? But people do it. And you are a minimalist. And you're, you know, you're done. It's kind of a process, a means to an end. You kind of flip the switch and, and you've arrived. But essentialism, as the book says, is the disciplined pursuit of less. And so it's, it's a constant daily choice and something that you'll continue to grow in and learn over your life, much like discipleship. You know, it's not an instant event. It's a process. So I want to dive into how you apply it to your day. And I want to take it outside yeah. the financial advisor realm. We really covered that kind of in the first episode of, around essentialism. And I'm sure you get pulled in multiple directions, as yeah. do we all. So I'm wondering, how are you able to prioritize and focus on your highest point of contribution. So say, for example, you've got five things going on at one time. How do you decide which is the highest point of contribution or which which one you should focus mm-hmm. on? 
Yeah, I'll give myself a little disclaimer here at the beginning. You know, it is an evolving state of mind uh, and a disciplined pursuit. So I by no means have it perfected, but I love talking about it. I feel like I, I win more than I lose in this area, but it took several years to get here. And it does all go back to the word priority. I think it's very common to hear people talk about their priorities. And while we may have a priority in a different silo of life, you know, maybe professionally, we have a priority with our family, we have a priority. So we may have more than one priority, but within each of those silos, it's really impossible to have more than one first thing, right? And so the word priority actually came into the English language in the 1400s, and it was singular all the way until I think the 1800s when we pluralized the word. And so it's all uh, really thriving and growing here in this world of multitasking and being all well, things to all people, you know, <laughs> right, right around the time of the industrial revolution. No surprise there, right? Yeah. Let's get efficient and uh, figure out how we can do all these things at one time. And therefore they all get kind of equal and are all very and, important. And and now that we're in the age of information and uh, as I think the book brings it up again, the age of opinions with social media and everything else. I mean, how many, there's, there's a ton of priorities, even though you know, there's no such thing. Yeah, exactly. So really to answer your question, to have clarity on that is, I think, the essential key, you know, because most people expect are, or are expected to be connected 24-7, 365, right? It's the smartphone, it's the email, it's the input, the digital information age, all that stuff we talked about, social media. And you just have to really have boundaries. So you have to be able to know what the true priority is and be able to focus on that. Even if it's a task list, right? What are the one or two things I need to to prioritize here in the, in these two areas and accomplish those before you move on. You know, a lot of times we get focused on the short term. I think yep. that's a big, a big problem too, for people They're they're going to put the bandaid on the sore that hurts the most and maybe not the one that needs it the most. And so, you know, if your oil lights on in your car and needs to be changed or checked, it's still running, right? So it's not causing me pain. I'm not changing the oil until I can make time for it. But if you if you delay that long enough, it's going to blow up on you, right? And so it's yep. the same thing with our decisions, our tasks, uh, what's pulling us in what direction. And so, you know, learning how to say no or when to say no, and saying it often, celebrating it. Uh, I feel great when I say no now, and it used to be uh, <laughs> it used to be uh, something that you know I felt guilty for, but now I know that it's protecting uh, what is truly essential by saying no to something really, really good, it gives me the opportunity to sit, to say yes to something really great. And that's, you know, one of the key points. So I'm at work and I've got 20 projects and this is, this is a common, I think, you know, I, I even asked you this question when you first got me involved in essentialism and you know, the boss wants 20 things done and you talk about saying no, well, you can't, you can't say no to your boss, obviously, but how can you sort of juggle what, what what's the process there to really juggle that and kind of free up the time and do what is essential? Yeah, there are probably multiple strategies and they would work differently depending on the situation. Full disclosure here, as always. Um, but my favorite one is if you were given a task, you know, for me, it may be a client task or a money manager that needs something done. Um, but for most people, maybe it's their boss, like you said, or a coworker. The easiest thing to do is to say, which of these other tasks would you like me to deprioritize? You know, I'm happy to do this. 
um, but I can't do it all is what you're saying. Yeah. And you so, said, you said no without saying no, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I'll gladly do it. Just tell me which of these other things to, to give up. Um, or if there's, if it's something you're really not equipped for, or maybe it's below you. So it could be on both sides. Hey, I just don't have the skills for that. Or I'm overqualified. I should be focusing on my highest point in contribution here. Mm-hmm. You could identify somebody else that, uh, you know, would be equipped for that. And, you know, you can communicate that as needed to, to the person, you know, if it's a superior, you know, Hey, um, I, I'd be happy to do that. It would cause me again to kind of have to deprioritize these things and I'll do that if you'd like, but would it be helpful if you had Matt do this? I think they would do a great job. Nice. I like Sometimes that. it's just having to literally say no and it would be a boundary issue. So it's, you know, if you're trying to protect what's essential to you, maybe it's the weekends and time with your family and they're trying to get you to work after hours or on the weekends, you just have to simply say, no, you know, I'll have to figure out another way to do this and within the parameters of where I've committed my time. And, um, you know, you're not giving a definite no, you're just saying, no, I'm going to find a time to do this. Yeah. No, during no, but, you know, there's always the, but no, but I can do it on Monday if we don't have these three hour meetings. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm not going to say, uh, I don't have, uh, tons of personal experience. You know, a lot of this comes from the book, but, uh, I could certainly see where, and I've had many conversations about it. You know, you say no at the wrong time to the wrong person and it's going to cost you. But again, at the expense of what, you know, what is the greater sacrifice? Is it somebody truly doesn't respect the boundary and allow you to to focus on what's essential. And so you get <laughs> moved to a different world, get, you lose your job, you get different tasks. You don't get asked to do things again. I don't know what the trade-off is, which is, you know, trade-offs are another huge component of essentialism. But if you can define what's essential and say yes to those things, go big on what really matters, it'll make it super easy and clear on you know how to say no and when to say no. So kind of moving, you know, towards, I know we're kind of running out of time here, but moving towards the end. So small, small steps to start, uh, sort of moving towards essentialism. If I, you know, just heard this and I'm like, yeah, I'm all in for this small steps that I can incrementally move. I mean, how did, I guess, how did you, how did you really start implementing the things that you've learned from it? You know, what we're talking about today was probably the first thing that resonated with me personally. I think the book's written in a lot of context with within the professional environment, but it certainly applies to your personal life uh, because those are the things in most cases that are truly essential. And so, you know, it's really very easy to feel guilty for saying no. And so... You know, I don't know about you and the listeners, but if you buy a certain car or are looking for a certain car, then all of a sudden you see those cars everywhere. Yep. And so I would say take that same approach with with uh, opportunities to say no and start small. You know, maybe it's, you know, there's somebody inviting you to do something on a Friday night or Saturday morning that would be fun, but is, you know, you need downtime or you need to do something else. You need to clean the house, clean the closet, whatever it may be, and just exercise that free will, you know, that right to say no, the freedom of choice and celebrate it just inside, you know, a little, little celebration there. Yay. I said, no. Um, (laughs) So start, so really start small with something that like, you're not going to lose your job when you say no with as opposed to going for the big one right off the bat. And now that you've, you've thought about it this way, it'll be like that, you know, Hey, I've got this blue XYZ car. 
on my mind and now I'm seeing them everywhere. And so you'll see opportunity after opportunity because everything is demanding our time. Maybe it's saying no to the TV or to social media for a certain period of time, you know, at the dinner table, right? We all see the people sitting around the table on their phone and, you know, either we're one of them or we're making fun of them. But if it's you, you know, leave the phone in the car or turn it off. And so, you know, that's saying no. So, yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that I've, uh, I think I took it from another book actually, but they talk about by, by saying no, it, it not only rips off the bandaid for you, but the other person. So if somebody asks you to do something and you say, no, I really want to do that, but I've got to do this. Can we reschedule? Can we do this? So what you're doing is you end up putting it off down the road. And then, so the next time they're excited, they're, oh yeah, we're going to get to do this. I'm going to get to go hang out with Tommy uh, on the weekend. Cause he put me off two weeks ago, a month ago, whatever. And then boom, same thing happens again. And eventually it just becomes harder to say no to them when you could have done it up front. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you have to remember that it's it, there it's trade-offs. So you're saying yes to this is saying no to everything else or saying yes to this is saying no to great things, right? Great opportunities. And so there's a, a quote that, man, it really hit me in the core uh, in the book. He uh, talks about an uh, Australian nurse named Bronnie Ware, and she was a nurse that cared for people during the last few weeks of their lives. And she would record their most often discussed regrets. And the quote that she uh, in turn put in the book from the top of the list, absolute top of the list from all these people at the end of their lives was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And I'm like, man, because when, solid. when we're saying yes to things that aren't essential to us or our course or our path or, you know, the things that we should protect, the boundaries we should establish and protect, um, then we're living up to their expect the life that they expect, saying yes to their, you know, expectations. And it, it robs us of the opportunity to focus on what's truly essential. So. I'm happy to stop there, but you know, as you know, we could talk about this. Oh yeah. No, let's, let's keep it essential. Why don't you wrap it up? Yep. Thanks for joining us. I'm sure we'll be talking about this again. If you like it, I'd love to hear from you. If you don't like it, I don't want to hear it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. You can leave <laughs> us some feedback here. It would be barcofinancial.com slash FAQ for frequently asked questions. You can leave us some questions there too. We'd love to answer those. Or but topics. We do, yeah, we do want to talk about things that are important to you. So we'd love to hear topics. We'd love to hear feedback on this podcast. We'd love to hear questions. And it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe to the podcast. You can do that at barcofinancial.com slash podcast. We're on all the major podcast channels. And uh, find your favorite one. Listen to it. Wherever you're listening to now, hit subscribe before you're done. And uh, we thank you in advance. So in the meantime, hope you have a great week. We'll be bringing you another episode soon and keep it essential. sticking around after the music here and as always we appreciate you tuning into the essential podcast just have a quick disclosure for you here securities are offered through sa stone wealth management inc member finra and sipc and advisory services are offered through sa stone investment advisors inc